Hey, welcome to the long-awaited first podcast of Music City 911. I'm Brandon Hall. And I'm Rick Beasley. Listen, we appreciate all of you uh, joining us. First, bear with me uh, as I have a nasty cold. It's trying to take me out. So there may be times during the show here that you hear some misplaced hacks and coughs and sniffs, but I shall overcome and there shall be better days. Exactly what is Music City 911? Well, it's an informal show. You've got a couple of communications officers here. Uh, one is still employed, one is retired. And we will be taking a compilation of 911 calls and we'll be playing them for you. We'll be making commentary on them. And uh, depending upon how serious of a situation it is or how funny it is, uh, that'll decide how much time we spend on the call. Uh, if it's something really hysterical, you know, we'll just all laugh our butt off about it and get back in the chair and <laughs> move right on again. Um, Listener advisory is definitely uh, required here. I'm sure that some of you that uh, uh, that are going to be listening to us, you're you're probably already uh, ready for what is coming to you. Uh, some of these calls can be really rough, uh, really raw, and we will let you know when we're going to have one of those because some of them, because of all the cussing in it, and you can best believe there's going to be some cussing in it, um, may defend you. And, and some of these calls, uh, may leave you, uh, hard to sleep at night. If you're listening to the podcast podcast just before you go to bed. So the advantage you're going to have is we're going to let you know, uh, when that happens. Uh, that's an advantage that, uh, Brandon and I, uh, didn't have when that phone rings, uh, Jack, you're on the call and you're committed. There is no uh, getting in there and saying, you know, this really sucks. I don't like this uh, because what you say or what you don't say uh, could uh, be the end of someone's life. Some of you may be thinking, uh, why should I listen to you guys? You know, what can you add to my life that justifies me spending my time listening? And, you know, that's an outstanding question, and I'm going to tell you. Both of us have been on the front lines of these calls. Uh, between the two of us, that's 60 years of experience. And to do our job, as a lot of our brothers and sisters out there still do, um, you have to be highly trained, and you have to be well-educated. You know, we live in a world today uh, that as time has went on, it's um, become more of a litigation issue. Uh, people are just suing you for everything. So having said that, um, what is my experience? Well, I started to work for the Metro Police Department uh, September the 16th, 1977. I know some of you probably wasn't even thought of then, and it was just a little bit after uh, Jesus had been here. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I retired with full pension benefits, September the 18th, uh, 2017, uh, 40 years later. Uh, I was a call taker. I was a dispatcher. And that was over three disciplines. Uh, that was over uh, police, fire, and EMS. And you had to know what you were doing on all three. Um, I also uh, did some training of employees while I was there. Uh, and as well, uh, I was OIC, so I was officer in charge when there was nobody at the house, and I was the one there to run it. <laughs> so that pretty much explains. A scary time there. Uh, it was a scary time. <laughs> yeah, thank God nobody knew that it was me that was doing it. Um, Brandon and I are both very passionate about our brothers and sisters uh, that are still in the communications field, some <laughs> more than others. <laughs> but... You know, in addition to the 911 calls, uh, and I'll go ahead and preface here by saying some of these will not be calls that we'll have. Uh, we'll just hear about calls, no audio will be played, and we'll just comment on what has come to our attention. Uh, Brandon, who actually came up with this whole idea, uh, 
is is passionate about the communications industry. So it's not just about playing 911 calls. If you want to go ahead and get into a little of that and then your experience too, Brad. Well, I'll start off with my uh, experience. Uh, I started uh, March 1st of 2000. Uh, back then, I was a police dispatcher uh, and call taker. Uh, we went through a pretty quick uh, training period back then. Um, you know, for us, anyway, back in the year 2000, it was, uh, I'm wanting to say, um, three or four weeks in class. I think probably close to four for the call taking end of it. Then we had to rotate our shifts for three months after that. I got out a little bit quicker. Um, I kind of got a good grasp on a little bit quicker than, you know, some people do. And then you go right back into training again for a couple of weeks and then get on those radios. And that's really where you hit it hard. Uh, the, the call taking end of it is it has a difficult aspect to it because of just the type of calls that you're going over. Uh, you, you don't know from one minute to the next what kind of call you're going to take. And our phones, they ring nonstop. We can, in the, the first call of the morning, it could be very easily someone who's woke up and found their spouse not breathing, and you have to jump in there with CPR. And the, the next call after that could be someone that uh, has had a very simple rear-end accident. Uh, there's no telling from one call to the next what you're going to get. Um, past that, what I was getting into with the, the whole um, dispatching end of it, that is an entirely different beast. Uh, when you get into the dispatching, uh, you can have as few as, just like I had last night, or, or actually it was today, four officers on the radio. Only four officers working the streets in a certain sector with their uh, sergeant and a couple other auxiliary units. Um, or it can be as many as when I came on and when Beasley was still there, we were both on the second shift. Friday or Saturday night, central radio, 80, 90, 100 plus officers, every one of them uh, wanting you to run tags for them. They didn't have back then, there was no computers for them to do it themselves. And on top of that, the radio systems we had were not that great. You could talk right over top of each other. So at any given point tonight, you might have four or five people keying up their radios and talking directly over each other at the same time. So when you kind of get into that, you're dispatching the calls, trying to get them out as quickly as possible, and also taking in all the information they're giving you, it can be a nonstop thing where you're talking and typing the entire time you were there. Luckily, that's eased up a little bit as far as the, the numbers of officers and the, the responsibilities you have, but still, it can get pretty hectic. Uh, but going over that, we will try to touch a little bit on the dispatching end of it, not only on the police side, but also on the fire side because that steps up again. It can be really, really simple there on the fire side, it can get really difficult. It can be completely overwhelming. So getting back to a little bit of the experience part, just like Beza was saying, I was uh, also a trainer for 10 years. Uh, I trained a really countless amount of employees while I was there. At one point I did tally up though that, uh, and it was right there at the end of my uh, training uh, period that one out of every four employees that we had employed there were trainees of mine. So, um, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but it was just showing that uh, I'd been doing it for a while, and uh, I really enjoyed uh, training while I was doing it. It's That's also a different uh, beast in and of itself when oh, you're yeah. trying to teach people how to do this job in the first place. But, uh, yeah, we're going to touch a little bit on everything. Some of the calls, just like uh, Beasley was saying, we're, we're not going to have them. Um, some of the calls we have taken ourselves. Uh, some of them uh, our coworkers have. Some of them, just like you said, uh, we'll have recordings from uh, either where uh, we work at or maybe from, it could be anywhere, uh, just really anything. Yeah. So, Well, it's, you know, it, it's kind of like the old saying, it, it's a little hard uh, to experience happiness if you haven't experienced sadness. You know, it runs the exactly gamut. Right. And uh, we're going to be doing both of those things here. There's going to be things that, that, that we're going to do that uh, that is not going to be happy at all. And uh, there's going to be other things that that will, you know, replace some of that horribleness with, with some with some good times. No different than it is up there in communications. You know, you, you may have some bad calls, and then you'll have one that will make the hard ones a little bit easier to accept. And the coworkers always, that's for me. If I have a, a really terrible call or something like that, and 
you know, granted, sometimes you're back to back. You may take a terrible call, and then we're still backed up on nine one one. You've got to kick right back over and be right back in the queue again and take that next call without any downtime. But when you do get that downtime, our coworkers that are surrounding us, that's what makes the job really uh, enjoyable, livable. Um, just the conversations we've had between the two of us, good times, you know, in the past, you know, what's what's going on now, just some of the craziness of the calls. We all the just just the laughing that you and I have done yeah. when we've stood out in the parking lot yeah. and and told some of these old <laughs> stories. I mean, just literally be laying down in the parking lot laughing. Um, and and he's exactly right. I mean, when you're when you have your brothers and sisters right there with you, and you know, private industry. You know, I I know that it's like that sometimes there too. You see these people more than you do your own family. You know, you, you figure how much time you're working, and especially if you're working overtime like, you know, uh, like Nashville is right now, um, it can, it, you know, I mean, you're there a long time. And your home life, m- minus the time that you're sleeping, is not a lot. No, it's not. And uh, we've had uh, several employees that I know uh, have told me that they, they remember – kind of halfway raising their kids over the telephone just in, in their downtime between hand, you know, trying to get them up ready for work. I still see it to this day, you know, cause we start our shifts, uh, different than the mainstream, you know, private industry. We get in earlier, you know, we're 24 seven. We never, ever close. Uh, we're always on duty. Um, so if we get there before everybody else is going to work, school, whatever like that, some of these kids, some of the parents that have kids that are, you know, teenage, younger teenagers up till, you know, into high school, they're calling them on the phone. It's time to get up. You know, it's, uh, I'm about to start work. So it's time to get up, start getting ready, you know, get out the door. Uh, so a lot of, uh, the raising the kids have to happen over the telephone where, uh, it, it's a dedication you have to have. And it's, it's, it's not for everybody, but, absolutely uh, not. but it, it works out pretty well. You know, you talk about, you know, raising your family, uh, while you're up there, you know, through the telephone. Oh yeah. Um, there are times and actually the longer you work there, the odds are that that's going to happen to you where you may get a call. You may get a call, not just somebody else up there working about something involving your own family. Oh yeah, it absolutely. Happens. Oh, and that can, and that can be really funky. And, and there's going to be a lot of those calls that I know in future podcasts that we'll hit on. Um, and I'll just tell you a, a, a good one that, uh, that we had happen. And this has been, been years ago. And for those of you that, that still work in the communications field, uh, in, in major police departments, you know this has been a long time ago because the officer was having you run the tag, uh, you know, from his radio because – they didn't have computers in the car back then. Technology hadn't gotten that far, even in small police departments now. Small police departments probably still, a lot of them don't even have that. Uh, you're you're exactly right. Or whatever, yeah. But on this particular night, it was one of our older dispatchers, and uh, he was working the radio when an officer was on the interstate and had seen a car that was pulled over to the side of the road, so... Um, he pulled pulled over to check to make sure it wasn't a stranded motorist or whatever. So uh, he asked the dispatcher to run the tag, and he did, and it come back to him. It might have even come back to him and his wife together, but anyway, it was it was their it was his car, yeah. right? It was their vehicle, and uh, he went back on the air with him. He says, "Yeah, that that's my car." He says, "Well, I'm out here behind it on you know Interstate so and so." And he says, well, uh, the last person to have the car was, was my wife. You know, is, is there anybody occupying the car? Well, apparently the officer had already taken his spotlight and, and went across the car, as a lot of them do, to see if it's occupied. And, you know, he said, I, 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 it, that doesn't appear to be. And he said, okay. He says, well, let me get with my sergeant up here in communications and see if he or somebody can can take me, you know, out there to, to get the car. And he says, yeah, fine. No, there's not a problem. I'll, I'll stay here with it. Uh, and that's what happened. Uh, the dispatcher got, got off the radio and somebody sat down to relieve him behind him. And after he had 
he might have even been out of the building at the time. I guess the officer took it upon himself to say, okay, well, let me go up here and make sure it hasn't been stolen or the, you know, the steering column hasn't been, you know. Uh, yeah, peeled, been, yeah. Yeah, been peeled. So he goes up there, and when he looks in the car, there's a female that is laid over in the seat. And what had happened uh, was she had had a heart attack. And apparently it was on the road when she had it, and she thought enough uh, uh, about the situation that she knew that she didn't want to hurt anybody in case she uh, passed out, she pulled over to the side of the road. She also was dead in the car. So, luckily, you know, he wasn't on the radio and the officer hadn't already checked the vehicle and found that individual before he ran the tag because then he would have known it and that could have been a real nasty situation. Yeah, I'm sure something like that, it, it, uh, if he was going out there in the, anyway, at, l- at least the officer was there to kind of head everything off and, and try to maybe the least little bit try to calm him down before he walked over there and, and found his wife. But, absolutely. Uh, yeah, uh, so yeah, it can absolutely happen to, to any of us while we're actually on the radio, on the phones. Um, it's it's happened to me more than a couple times. Uh, I, I think we've talked about it that you, you might have taken a call or two like that yourself. I mean, oh, can, yeah. Very get into so. that in the future episodes, but uh, I guess we can uh, kind of roll on. What do you okay, say? yeah, uh, sounds good to me. Let's well, jump right into something. Yeah, we've got uh, a, a host of different calls to uh, touch on tonight. Most of them we are going to be discussing. Uh, we're not going to necessarily have the audio for all, for all of these calls. Um, uh, we'll have uh, one or two that we'll play tonight and uh, kind of dissect those. Um, but mainly what we're going to do right now is just have a few calls that uh, have um, – you know, either we have taken personally, um, recently in the past, uh, and we'll just kind of go over them and tell you about them. I know everybody's curious about those, uh, the calls that we take and the, the job and everything. So tell you what, uh, we got some stuff right here in front of us. Let's just kind of go over this. This was actually, believe it or not, last night I was working, uh, it was close to the end of a 12 hour shift that I was working. Um, as B said earlier on, we've, we've been doing some overtime up at work and this is, uh, Starting and keep in mind that my shift starts at uh, 6.30 in the morning, so 06.30. Um, and at uh, 16.01, which is 4.01 in the afternoon, we start getting some armed robbery calls. Uh, the very first one, and as we go in through these, uh, I was actually on a radio at this point, uh, and I, just, I was hearing the other dispatchers put these out, and what really caught my ear was the fact that uh, – after the, you know, we, it's Nashville. It's a big city. There's going to be armed robberies. They, they just happen. Um, you know, there's not too much you can do because you can't predict when or where they're going to happen. Um, and that's just the way the criminal element works. And, and the fact that, that we have an interstate system that goes around the city. I mean, we, if you look at the Southeast United States, I mean, we're the main hub you know, with, with 40 and 65 and 24, it, you know, it, it looks like a wagon wheel. So any of these individuals, if they rob something, if they can get to an interstate, they can be minus all the traffic they have to deal with. They can be somewhere else really fast on the other side of town and then go and do the same thing. Oh, absolutely. And that's, uh, uh, for at least a couple of these, that's what happened. Um, the first one, I'm not exactly sure. Um, it may not be the same suspects because uh, this all these files are still open. They're still being investigated. Uh, the first one we had here was it uh, was considered a strong arm from a person, generally a strong arm. Uh, it, it may not have any type of uh, weapons involved. Uh, this particular one happened uh, behind a gas station in the South Nashville area. Um, and it was uh, the, the victim on it was a female. We won't give any names or anything like that. Um, but apparently uh, two males kind of came up from behind her and uh, tried to grab her purse and ended up uh, hitting her in the face, taking her purse from her. Uh, got a little description. They, they ran off on foot. Um, got a description of the, uh, the actual victim in this. That way, when the police go out there, we know exactly who to look for. Um, got a good description on her. The description that she had just from, I guess, probably the panic that she had at the time and uh, in addition to being uh, punched in the face, she didn't get a very good description other than um, 
you know, just the basic two males and they were wearing uh, hoodies, that type thing. So, um, that one may not actually be related to the ones that really kicked up. That's, that's the first of 10 of these, what we call our code for it is 53 Paul. Uh, that's an armed robbery or just a robbery actually. Mm -hmm. Um, so the next one comes in, uh, 1611, 10 minutes afterwards. Uh, and it's actually in a hotel parking lot. This one again, probably not related um, but, uh, the, the caller called in that he was, I'm not exactly sure what was happening, but he was, uh, in the hotel parking lot trying to take a little nap, might've been in, at work and had a lunch break and, or made might've just been on the road. There's no telling really, but, uh, had two, um, two males come up armed with guns, took his wallet and his phone. Uh, they ran from the hotel parking lot from there. Don't know if they had a vehicle to get away with or not, but, uh, you know, so that, that one is a, it could possibly be related when it really kicks up though uh, a couple hours pass past that 18 15 hours so 6 15 is where we get the first uh the first one that kind of piques my interest uh it's also down in south nashville uh we've got a uh a person they actually fired one time at him uh took his phone and his wallet kind of like the last guy so, but they, this one, they actually shot, he actually shot at him. Um, then from there, 1817, two minutes later, uh, this was about a mile west of the last one, uh, three suspects. Uh, <coughs> so we've went from possibility of two or three up to, uh, three, um, all armed with guns came up and robbed the, the, uh, caller of, their phone and their wallet, same MO on, uh, all of them so far, two minutes, uh, you know, from the last one. And, uh, it, as I'm on the radio, we have tones put that we put out to put on a, a call on all air, certain calls, hot calls, what we, you know, would say they, uh, they'll take uh, precedence over pretty much everything else, all airs. Um, that means every radio channel will be hooked up to one. And, uh, so if there's an officer that's working off of a different area that may just be driving through the, the area, they will, um, they'll have the opportunity to jo- jump over and try to help out with that call if they're close. Um, and it also comes in handy too, if you're getting around ship change, absolutely. you know, an officer may be going home or maybe coming to work and in proximity to the time that these occur, uh, they could be in an area where, you know, the individual's heading right that way. Yeah, so the all airs uh, helps us out a lot of different ways. So that one was at, at uh, 1817. The next call at 1820, three minutes later, another armed robbery. Uh, this one was about a mile and a half southeast of the last one. Still in South Nashville, three suspects, all male, all wearing hoodies, all armed with guns. Uh, stole this person's phone, <coughs> keys, and wallet. Pretty much the same thing again. They actually did get a, a brief description of the uh, um, vehicle description of um, the suspects on this one. And just a black sedan. They said maybe a Honda. Um, and then they fled and gave a, gave a direction of flight. And direction of flight is which way they were going. Right. And uh, as I was saying, we put out these tones to hear every time we take the all air. So every time this is happening, I'm hearing another tone go off. Next call after that, 1823. Three minutes after the last one. Uh, this one actually happened about six miles northwest of the last. So this is either an unrelated call or they may have actually had a team out working. Mm-hmm. Uh, some some gangs have their initiation say, okay, you got to go out and rob somebody. You got to go and do these these things here. So this was a little bit further away. I, there's uh, literally no chance they could have made this fast uh, of a time getting over there unless this person um, just called in later. Um, but they called it in as an in progress. So it was also three males in hoodies, armed guns, Mm -hmm. and they stole a wallet and a phone. And then, uh, so from the last one, 1823 took a little bit of a break after that 1835. So, uh, we're looking at 635 and that was actually a, a mile East from the previous one that was still in South Nashville. Um, this time they had a friend with them, four male blacks, and um, they all had masks 
and guns and hoods on. Stole. Um, and actually, they, they got another uh, description. Said it was, um, uh, let's see, a black Altima. Um, kind of like the first one, so it could have been a Honda or Nissan. And uh, stole the phone and wallet, <laughs> just like the rest of them. Um, and then uh, almost directly after that, we had another call. Um, it was actually called in at 1835, so someone probably waited for their uh, between the calls there, mm-hmm. um, probably just to get back home or whatever they had to to call us. The next one we called in was uh, got called in was also at 1835. It's about a mile west of the last one. Uh, this one said, um, and actually the the reason that this one took a little bit longer to call in, uh, we actually had to use a Spanish interpreter. So they uh, the person they uh, they robbed on this one was a Spanish speaker, but uh, gave the same description. Uh, and sometimes uh, they make it a point to do just that. Exactly, because they know when they're robbing someone who may not speak the you know speak English, that's going to be a detriment to the person who's been robbed, because it's going to take them a while to to communicate to somebody else exactly what's happened to them. So sometimes these people are actually selected to be robbed. Oh, absolutely, and it's it's happened before where they have they have targeted those. We had a run a few months ago where it was just that, and it that actually lasted for I want to say about a week and a half with them hitting six or seven different victims in a day this way. Um, and they were doing it every single day. Um, and these workers, uh, they, they were actually, uh, mostly construction workers. They were hitting, um, construction sites. Um, they, they knew because a lot of these uh, people are paid cash. So chances are they're going to have a cell phone and they're going to have cash on them. And that's what most of them did. They were, you know, robbed of their cash and their phones and, um, that's just the way it, you know, it happened. They knew they, they locked onto that one type of crime that they were hitting. And from there it, uh, it, it paid off for them. They ended up getting caught though. So that's, that's one good thing. So, yeah, it's kind of like people that do roofing, they know what they're doing. So they keep doing a roofing. Yeah. Same thing uh, with robbers. Normally, you know, robbers, they stay within their realm, just like burglars stay within their realm. You know, people that break into people's homes, um, really don't want to have to face anybody. That's exactly why they're doing it uh, when they're doing it. Now, you know, when you, the, the, the problem with They're that, looking for a victim. They're not looking for a fight. That, that's exactly yeah. right. So, uh, you know, going on past that, we had uh, that one we covered there. They must have took a lunch break because uh, the next one we had was at 2014, so 814. Um, there was about three and a half miles, uh, probably northeast from the last one. Same description. Uh, but this one, kind of like you said, it actually, uh, what you said there is pretty good on this one. Um, they took his stuff, but at the same time, as the vehicle was, uh, driving away, the, the victim actually tried to take a shot, a couple shots at the, the suspect vehicle. So, um, I don't know if they knew that he was armed right from the get go or not. Uh, I don't have any details with the actual report in front of me. I'm just going on the dispatch end of it, but, um, you know, it scared him. It must have scared them off from that area of town because they left from there and went about six miles west after that. Uh, and this is about a right time frame. This one was at 2014. The next one was at 2036. And um, same description again. Uh, three males, uh, same type of vehicle and everything. Robbed a, you know, victim of their phone and and their wallet. So I mean, it was pretty much everything. That's what they were going for. And uh, one of the reasons for the phones, I mean, uh, you can take a, a, a guess on uh, just about any reason you want to have a phone, but, uh, you know, make your own phone calls yourself. Just uh, try to resell it. Um, there's Actress Catherine Heigl, a passionate animal advocate who has saved over 16,000 dogs, says she's been seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. She believes there's a link between canine health and diet. After extensive research, she developed Superfood Complete, a dog food pack with over 30 wholesome ingredients, including superfoods beneficial for your furry friend. Superfood Complete isn't just about deliciousness, though dogs love the taste. It's about supporting overall well-being. In addition to providing a healthy option for your pet, Badlands Ranch, the maker of Superfood Complete, also supports the Jason DeBus Heigl Foundation, which helps rescue countless dogs and find them loving homes. 
Dogs across America are trying this food and loving it. Go to BadlandsRanch.com slash MC901 and order right now to get up to 50% off your regular priced order with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to BADLANDSRanch.com slash MC901 today. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Any number of reasons you would try to you would want to have a cell phone, but uh, yeah, they they were targeting just wallets and cell phones. They're probably gonna you know take what cash they have, spend that right away, and then credit cards, whatever they can charge until they could get them cut off and. You know, just do a little bit at that number. So Right. And, you know, it's important for y'all to remember uh, the ones that are, are listening outside the Nashville area. Uh, Nashville's a city of about five, 600,000 people. It's actually, uh, I, I looked uh, recently, 685, I believe is what it is. Right. And, and during the daytime, that number exceeds one million people because you've got people coming in and working. Now, even even for a city of that size and with that many people during the daytime hours, you know anybody that that, that works in major cities, unless you're in a New York or a, or a Los Angeles area, uh, that's a lot of robberies for uh, a city of of Nashville size. Uh, also, uh, of course, Brandon and I, you know, we're we're big time conservatives. We're big, you know, flag waving two uh, A proponents. And and I can tell you that if if you're out to rob somebody, uh, when you pick one of these states, and Tennessee is one of them, uh, you're you're taking a chance that the individual that you go up on, and you better size them up pretty good that that you're convinced that they don't have a weapon on them, because if they do, you may not leave with what you wanted to. Yeah, and any potential robbers out there, just to let you know, the stats here in Tennessee, one out of every ten people have a carry permit. So if you walk around anywhere in any given time, there could be one out of every 10 people there that's had, that has a gun on. So really think about that before you go out and try to rob somebody. We will shoot back. We will. Cause there's two of us sitting right here that will definitely take you out if given an opportunity <laughs> to. So, yeah, just like Beasley was saying that, um, that little string for us, that's, that's actually a pretty good little, little bit. Um, as far as, uh, you know, in one evening, that's that was uh, not only just um, one shift. That was only uh, the last call came in at uh, a little bit after twenty hundred hours. First one came in at sixteen oh one. That's only four hours to have ten hour robberies. And and as you heard that that time frame in the middle there, they were hitting a different person probably every two or three minutes. So they were they were hitting it really cl- really close. They were hitting mainly apartment complexes, um, people out walking. So, and, and here in Nashville and different parts of, uh, the, uh, you know, the nation right now, it, it just really depends, but, uh, we're getting dark here in Nashville around five o'clock in the afternoon. Oh yeah. So, very much so. And if it's cloudy, it, it could be four thirty or so. Yeah, yeah. Actually, absolutely. So, and, and, and you, you have to realize too, that, you know, even the robbers and the thugs and thieves and all that stuff, they're doing their Christmas shopping too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, and, they're just and, doing it with somebody else's money. Right. And <laughs> so so you will see those offenses spike, you know, during the holidays. But as I said earlier, even for a city of, of Nashville size, that that is excessive, you know, for that for that, that amount of time. And you was exactly right that, that they'd be looking at those people for you know, a multitude of those robberies being done by the same people. Yeah, generally in a, in a shift, we 
we may have one or two and they're they're not generally related uh you can almost bet that those if it's just uh out on the street somewhere it's going to be probably drug related in the, in the way of i just need some quick cash to go and get my next fix that type thing these guys here they were organized they knew what they were doing um they they made their hit real quick and they moved on to the next one they didn't they didn't stick around they were in the same area of town but by the time that we were getting to one they were already pulling off another one you know a couple miles down the road so it it, it was a pretty good little uh way of uh working for them now they will get caught i mean there's no if ands or but about it um they they all end up getting caught like this you know just uh, well, they, they, law statistics uh, yeah they, is, you know? they they don't know when to stop yeah you know, and oh, this is easy money. We're going to, you know, do this. And pretty soon that, you know, you can outrun the police for a little while. You can't outrun the radio. Yeah. You're not going to be able to outrun their uh, helicopters. And if you ever have to get out on foot, you definitely will not outrun our dog. No, so, but, uh, yeah. So you got anything you wanted to hit on bees? No, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. It sounds like you've covered it pretty good on, <laughs> you know, one other thing I would say, uh, for the people that, that are paying any attention to the coding of the calls, you were talking about a 53P being an armed robbery. The P stands for it's in progress, and and unless they've changed that since I left a little over two years ago, that was a 15-minute time span. Yeah, it, it it's kind of up to the you know call taker's discretion, somewhere between 10 and 15 minutes. Something right, like that, and, so. then, and anything after that period of time, you know, that doesn't mean that the suspect isn't able to be captured, uh, but the the um the priority of getting it out there changes and then it becomes a report at that time yeah just the likelihood of us actually catching the suspect driving away at that point is is diminished quite a bit right absolutely all right well uh we've i've got a stack of calls here we're not going to be able to get through all these tonight i mean i can tell you that right now no um end up having a four-hour show and that's not the way we want to open this thing up no um so uh let's uh Let's calm it down. We'll get into something a little bit uh, less of a, um, you know, hardcore case. Uh, something that's actually happened to millions of people, literally millions of people around America. And I can almost guarantee you that every single one of you have had these calls on your phone. And that's just these scammers that call in. Uh, they, they'll call your phone. And um, the I've kind of written down here a couple of the, the more popular ones. Uh, bees, I know before you retired, they, you were around for, um, the big IRS scam they had. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, it, it is so big that the police departments, or at least ours here in Nashville, uh, don't send an, a car out on it unless they've actually been duped, yeah. you know, out of some cash. If it's just, you know, somebody from India calling you on the telephone, playing like they are the IRS and, and they're really good on this cause they will actually even get a telephone number, the area code of Washington, D.C., to give it the effectiveness that it's coming from there. And so you talk about, yeah, this has got to be them. And, of course, people that buy into it, well, you know, they tell you to go out and, and get a uh, uh, a card. Yeah, a gift card. Yeah, a, a gift card. And you're thinking, really, the IRS wants a gift card? <laughs> you know, but... In in those in those instances, uh, the police department's attitude is no. You know, you you can go to the IRS website, and it will direct you to the Department of the Treasury, part of uh, the U.S. government, and there is a telephone number on there where you can call, give them the telephone number that that is shown to you that called you, and then they're going to follow up on that and and however they do. But yeah, it, it's gotten to be so big that. Our, our department here in Nashville don't even worry about it unless you've unless you've lost some money. Yeah, and um, and that's not necessarily to say that um, it's not being cared for. Just the way that they're operating right now, uh, they're building a case. You know, it's it's international at this point. It's not like we can run down the road and say, "Oh, it's um, Joe Schmo down here." You know, on uh, First Avenue that's uh, calling in all these. He's he's making all these phone calls himself. We can't just go and pick him up. So they're making a federal case and an actually international case on these things. So anytime that you, if, if anybody out there has had uh, this happen to them, somebody's called them, you want to help them out with the phone number, get on this. Uh, it's uh, www.treasury.gov, report the issue to them. And uh, from there, um, you know, hopefully one day they're going to have a case big enough 
that they can put these people away for the rest of their lives. I'm, I'm hoping we get these calls stopped. Uh, the newer one they've got going on now is uh, it's almost the same type of thing, but instead of asking for gift cards, they just they transition into asking for your bank account information. Uh, it's a social security. Uh, they'll they'll call in, uh, you know, saying that uh, for whatever reason somebody has uh, taken your social security number, they're using it, and uh, we believe that you're actually the they, they, there's a few different variations of it. One of them is that uh, we believe that uh, you may you may be the, the false uh, person. That you're not actually the person yourself uh, that, that would be on the Social Security number. So, uh, you know, to prove this, you know, we're going to have to have a fee or you're going to have to pay a, a fine of some sort for letting someone else use your Social Security number. And if you don't do this, you know, we'll, we'll send somebody out to arrest you. It, the the scam works on some people. They're still getting money, so until it stops working, they're going to continue on. Sure. I mean, if thing is, if, if if the thug calls 10 people, okay, and gets one to go along with it, forget the other nine. The other nine didn't make him any money, but the, the one that he does get that bites may well make him more than, you know, than, than the loss of the other ones. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, uh you know, as far as far as the uh, that scam goes, uh, we've got a phone number there, kind of the same way with the you know Treasury. Um, if y'all have had this happen to you, you want to help out with the case, one eight hundred two six nine zero two seven one to help them out with that. And the last one we'll touch on before we move on to something a little bit bigger and better, um, or as far as us uh, talking about it anyway. This is a kind of low thing here. Um, is the uh, Publishers Clearinghouse. So uh, I don't know if you remember the commercials they had. You know, I mean, it's been all the way since I was a kid. They'd come up, running up to your door, knock on your door with a big, huge check and balloons and the whole deal. You've won oh, yeah. million dollars, whatever like that. Yeah. Well, you can't win if you don't enter. That, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, apparently you can uh, win if you don't enter now. They're going to call you right up on the telephone, tell you you've won a million dollars, and... Um, all they need from you is your bank account information so they can put that in, that money into your account. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, so uh, that that's a new one. Uh, if, if anybody calls uh, saying that they've you've won any amount of money, do not give any personal inf- information. Don't give Social Security number. Don't give any type of bank account information. Just hang up the phone. And truth be told for myself, if I see a phone number that I don't recognize, I don't answer it. If it's somebody that's a family or friend or something like that that's got a new phone number, they're going to leave a message with you. You know, they're, they're going to tell you, oh, this is, uh, this is Bill, this is whoever. They're going, to, they're going to leave that message that way that you want to call them back. Just don't answer the phone if you don't know the phone number. That's probably the easiest way to, for me to, you know, give that information out. It, it, it's the simplest advice in the world to take. You know, if you do not know the individual and you don't have them programmed into your phone, you know, it, it, even if it turns out to be somebody that you – know and you just haven't had time to program their name in it they'll leave a voicemail and you can call them back just absolutely do not answer the phone yeah it's that simple because when you do all you've done is sent the message to the robo that (laughs) hey this is a valid number and then your life is really going to be hell. They're going to keep on with the same phone, same same scam. They're going to keep calling you over and over again about yeah you know what i'll leave you with this it's like pt barnum once said there's a sucker born every minute yep that's right and, and i hate to say that but but a lot of these people it's 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 just common everyday walking around sense and if you don't use that then you're going to get taken yeah okay let's move on with an audio recording we have for you guys now it's two minutes 43 seconds long and occurred in december 2012 in longmont colorado the following content may be disturbing to some listeners. Discretion is strongly advised. Having said that, roll tape. 911, what's the address of the emergency? 11464. I need you to say the address. I can't understand you. 11464, Hot Springs. Okay, repeat the address one more time to make sure I have it right. No, 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 no. 
What you just heard was the ex-girlfriend talking with a call taker. Her ex-boyfriend shoots and kills the caller's sister and sister's husband as he was in the house. He then shoots and kills the caller as she pleads for him not to. The suspect then talks with the call taker and subsequently commit suicide. In summation, the call taker hears the ex-girlfriend get murdered and the ex-boyfriend commit suicide. Brandon, as a call taker, what is going through your mind as all of this transpires? Well, immediately with something like this, I think that... um what what she actually got into as the the call taker on this end, she got the initial information of the address, which is the the, the utmost important part of it. So if nothing else would have happened past that, if for some reason the the phone would have hung up, we could at least get the the police or medics or whatever we had to started out that way. Now as far as when the 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 woman actually starts pleading for herself. She probably doesn't actually know what's going on because the the initial caller never really really said anything to to the point of oh he's he shot someone whatever like that all you really heard was and you can kind of piece this together after listening to it the first time and if you wanted to go back and listen to it again you can i heard a, a shot go out it sounded like a shot go out anyway while the the call taker was trying to gain the address and then directly after that you heard the the address being given and trying to be re-verified for it which is standard procedure and then the uh, the caller, um, given her last words, essentially, you know, pleading to the the suspect on this to not kill her. And then you hear the shot ring out. It's what sounds like probably her dropping to the floor. And then the suspect later on picking up the the phone and. The thing that he said that that really jumps out at me is, and this is something else that me and B's both have had happen to us a few times on the phone is that if someone comes on the phone and they say, you know, I, I feel like killing myself. Generally, they're probably not going to do it. It's, it's them. It's a cry for help. It's whatever like that. Someone who gets on the phone and says, 
I'm going to kill myself now. They're going to do it. There's nothing. You can't talk them out of it, even though you want to, you know, stop them from doing it. So as the call, the call taker on this end of it anyway, one of the, the big things is she's just trying to keep the phone call going. She wants to get as much information as she can while the police are on the way out there. Try to keep him alive if we can. Um, and she did the best job she could. I, I, I can't really say that anything else could have been done on her end. Uh, they got to the scene and found, you know, four people dead. And that's, that's just a, a sad way of having a call uh, on, on either end. It's, it'd be hard for the, the dispatchers, probably something that she's going to live with for the rest of her life. And units that actually went out to the scene, they had to see the horrific scene and everything that they had out there. Just overall, it's, it's a, a bad call start to finish. And it's something that we have to deal with. I won't say on a daily basis, but there are calls going to be like that, that you have during your career. You just don't forget and they stick with you. And, and it vividly illustrates that the longer you work there, the more apt you are to have one of those sneak up on you. And you might've just gotten back from lunch uh, that might have been you or I sitting there just kind of grab button and laughing and telling jokes. And then you pick up the phone to, I'm going to kill myself. After we've just been telling jokes between calls. Or you pick up this one. And it's, I mean, you talking about trying to get the wheels going back in the right direction again. That's rough. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. It's, it's not something you can easily do. And, and at some agencies, I'm not familiar with, you know, where this, uh, the population of where this come from, how many dispatchers they have. She could have possibly been, been the only one on duty for that particular police department. It could have been her, could have been her and one other person. So there's no logging off the phone at that point. She, she might not have been able to get up and say, you know what, that was a, a really hard call for me. i got to get up for a minute. There might not have been anybody there else to take the phone call if she wanted to. And even in bigger cities, there might not be enough staff for them to say, you know what, that is a, a bad call. Hop up, take a couple minutes, try to get your head straight. It, it just might not happen. There's been times that even where we work, you know, and, and to get to – Dispatchers never really want to just same as police and firemen. You never want to say, Oh, that, that call really hit me or you don't want to say anything like that. You want to be the big tough guy, the, you know, the big tough woman, whatever like that, but it hits you. It, it might not hit you immediately. You could go home, you could go to sleep, you come back to work the next day and, and say, well, shit, that's just, I'm starting to feel it now. You know, I'm back to where it is. You never know. You, you don't, it, it, it could be any time at all. And even if they do give you a little time to to get your head back together, it's nothing like the time that you really need. Not even near that amount of time. Yeah. But that's that's the, the way of call taking. And to tell you the truth with this, you know, we actually have some information about the call. We we know what happens afterwards. We, you know, the sheriff went out there. They found the four of them. From what she heard, I mean, she did know that there was four people dead out there, but she didn't know the actual outcome until the sheriff went out there and probably they, they did the news report on it. The majority of the time we, we get a call, we get no closure, none at all. Um, for something like this, it's a little bit easier because it's uh, – as far as closure goes, because it's just a, you know, it's a, a murder. They're going to be out there. They're going to have reports done. There's, there's going to be not necessarily an arrest from it, but it could be something like this. A, it's more of an open closed case, I guess is what, what I'm trying to say with it, where we know what happens. A lot of the calls we get though, we never just, we just never know what actually ends up afterwards after we hang up the phone. Not knowing the ending 
of some calls, such as uh, medical calls we may get that we know the individual had a heart attack. Did they live? Did they not? Uh, something happens to a child medically. Did they live? Did they not? It's actually like a movie that you're watching during a thunderstorm. And then the power goes out. And you never know what actually happens at the end. And just like in normal call taking, just like we do every day, you never know what the next call is going to be. And we didn't want to leave you guys on a down note like that. So on that note, uh, we did make a warning earlier on that there was going to be some cussing. And here it is. Roll tape. Fire rescue. Yes, Okay, what's the address that we need to come to? Hi, me. Your address, sir? 4220 Winford, baby. Texas Avenue and Rio Grande. I'm sorry, it's 4220, 4220 Winford. 4220. 4220, 4220 Winford, sir? Yes. Okay, and what's going on there? This shit happened yesterday, and you motherfuckers trying to put my ass in jail. It's okay. not understanding what's going on. Okay, do you need medical attention? Yes. What What is wrong? I don't know. I ain't no goddamn doctor. Thank okay, God. sir, I'm trying to help you. Well, help me send me some here. What the hell? What's the hold up? Sir, what is, are you feeling pain? What is the problem? I'm crazy as hell. So, do you need yep. us? I don't know. What I need Sheriff's office, are you on the line? Yes, we are. Do you need us to go with you? He said uh, somebody can't have his heart. Pain. I ain't had my goddamn medicine this morning. I ain't got no medicine. I went to the fucking hospital. And the doctor got mad because I told him that uh, white boy used to fuck my mama a long time ago. <laughs> Sir, are you happens. in pain somewhere or what is it? Yes, I got headaches in my leg and everything. I've been in a fucking fight. So you need you want the paramedics to come and check you, correct? Well, I thought you were getting. What the hell going on? <laughs> Sir, you need to calm down and talk to me. I am trying to help you and I'm trying to send the paramedics, but I need to understand what the problem is. I don't know what the problem is. Okay, but you're feeling head pain, is that correct? I've been, yes, I've been injured. I've been hit on the head and everything else. How else do a motherfucker be a All right, when, when when did that happen? I can believe you. Yesterday. Damn. My head's hurting. You're going to send somebody out here or you're going to fuck around on the phone? <laughs> Sir, I have no problem sending you help, okay? The paramedics will come and they'll check you. How old are you? I'm 62 years old. He's my I retired age. from Diamond Crisis. Okay, and are you in Millennium Point Apartments? Yes. What apartment I, number I, are you what's in? What's going on down there, ma'am? Sir, I am trying to help you. What apartment number are you in? What, but shit, my head is hurting. You tell Can me you tell, tell me what apartment number my... you're in? What? What apartment number are you in? I ain't no goddamn apartment. Are you in Millennium like Point Apartments? Motherfucker, what's wrong with your ass? How much schooling have you had? Sir, are you in Millennium Point Apartments? I told you that. Okay, what, what apartment number are you in? What apartment number are you in? I ain't no goddamn apartment. It's a town house. I'm in a town house. Okay, and what kind of medical history do you have, sir? I don't know. Let them check it out. I ain't no fucking doctor. I ain't no nurse either. <laughs> nope. Okay. That's for sure. Okay. You use that as you want to know. That's how it's been since been What's before. your name? I'm Reverend Lowdown. Reverend Lowdown. He's from. the Reverend. Oh, I don't Lord know what it is. I, I gave you the goddamn address. That's enough. Are you? Is your phone number 407-883-5636? Well, if you know the fucking number, why you ask me? <laughs> because I need to confirm it with you, sir. All right, you got it. Do you not have an apartment number? I ain't got no god. I don't live in no goddamn apartment. I live in a townhouse, motherfucker. Okay. So? Yeah, we still here. Do you, uh, sir, do you have a townhouse number? 4220, motherfucker. Okay. So we definitely need you to go with us. We're on our way. Okay. I'll let them know. Sir, stay on the phone with the sheriff's office, okay? Do you need to talk to him, SO? I'm going to try. Okay. Thank you. Sir? Hello? Yes. The guy that hit you, is he still there? 
Hell yeah, he live over here, right? Probably run a dope house right next door to me. He white, black, or Hispanic? I don't know what color he is. You call him what you want to call him. What does he look to you? Why? I don't know. He looks like one of Jesus' children. <laughs> he looks what? Jesus' like children. One of Jesus' children. Okay, what's his skin color? I don't know. Okay. I don't see no color. Do you know what color clothes he's wearing? I don't know. The motherfucker in the house. Okay, so we have somebody come to you, okay? And on that note, Brandon, get your banjo and play us out. For Music City 911, I'm Brandon Hall. And I'm Rick Beasley. Take care, guys. Have a good one.